Thank you for joining us at uh, Beer Fish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker Seeker Tackle. So make sure you guys go to whiskerseeker.com for all your catfishing gear. Enjoy the episode, guys. We'd pretend I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> hey, like, no. how am I distance for that thing? Uh, I think maybe you'd be a little closer, or maybe yeah. he could turn you up. Yeah, I can turn you up. How about this? I can move closer. Yeah. Nope. Okay. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Maybe we can put your buck up here. I just turned him up pretty high. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Hey, there we go. How's that? Cool. Right. Yeah. If you, you know, um, if you want to talk some about that, I've already talked before about what the trip was like. Mm-hmm. I could talk about what it was actually like to write a book, which yeah, is, there is, we go. Cool. is a whole nother adventure. We'll, we'll definitely jump into Oh, shoot, I'm, a, I'm a little loud because I'm just, is this better like that? Uh, sure. All right. Sure. Okay. All, right. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Grandy with Ma Pop Fishing. We have Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. And today we are at a new location. Uh, I don't think we've ever recorded a podcast episode here before. This is a new brewery. It's in Ankeny. Uh, it's called the Uptown Garage Brewing Company. Um, and yeah, my first time here ever. It's my first time here also, and the place looks awesome. Yeah. Yep. It's like a, uh, I think they kind of tailored, obviously, towards a garage. I think it literally <laughs> needs I to be a garage. garage. Yeah. <laughs> there, there we go. And uh, I, I, I've been to this spot before because uh, we, they did, like, sports card stuff here before, so I've been here before. So, yeah, that's a pretty good beer. They have a lot of uh, local Iowa craft brews up there. So, they have a lot of companies from all over the uh, Iowa here. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of almost like a mini bait shop up north. Yeah. I guess. So they have all those craft beers from other places in Iowa. Do they brew it here too? Um, I think they do maybe a little bit. I don't think they brew like a ton. I saw one on the tap. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, but they mostly, uh, they're like, I guess you can say they're like a distributor for maybe Iowa breweries, craft companies brewers. that sounds like a cool concept that would be a little easier than going through the entire yeah uh, uh, system of brewing your own but yeah then you don't have all those yeah. all that equipment right. either yeah so uh if everybody's wondering who is that gentleman you know sounding voice so- somewhat sounds familiar because i think you mean made- the old guy <laughs> oh, come on you're not that old uh but we have mr hank here with hank to learn hank kohler uh one for water and he's joining us back again um surprisingly i mean you're not sick of us by now man? oh no i enjoy this this is <laughs> awesome the, the more i hang with younger people the better off i am that's for sure there we go so and just uh, let everybody know, I am actually drinking a beer today. I, uh, we were kind of talking offline. My gout, the flare went away. It went down. So I'm risking it for the biscuit just for Hank today. FYI. Playing, I playing with fire. Yeah, I'm playing with fire. <laughs> I have not touched a beer uh, probably since I think was with Spencer River Certified maybe like a month ago. And... Uh, you're just, a risk taker, I'm, man. I'm a risk taker. But it's just for you. It's a special occasion. Awesome. Wait, were you drinking beer or seltzers? Where? When, on our trip? Fishing trip? No, Spencer's. Spencer, I actually tried. I did two beers, and I was fine. Did you? Yeah, and I had seltzers, too. Oh. Yeah, we, we, we did all that, and then I was fine. It was the trip, and you know what? We have to knock that state out of Sorry. Uh, it, was a tri- <laughs> it was our fishing trip that we went down that uh, our friend... Like I was saying, I think a, a previous podcast, he said the hot dog was made of pork. I was like, oh, okay. Because beef is a trigger of mine. 
Oh, I, I, I've come to find out. And but doesn't a hot dog have like everything in yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> so that was probably yeah. not the wisest yeah, decision. Does have but, everything. but it was pure beef and it has everything like you're saying. And then it was one of those, I think it was a Frank, Frank's hot dog or Nathan's hot dog or something. So I have no idea. So it's pure beef. And then because I was really good on our trip, I didn't touch beer. I had, I had some seltzers. I had... I ate chicken and pork. Everything was fine. But then the next day, you know, we were taking on the way home. I'm like, uh, honey, I'm feeling it in my foot again. And I was like, there goes the big toe. Yes. And she, she was like, dude, you were so good. You're like, you didn't touch any beer. And then I go, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't touch any beef. I go, I had to backtrack everything and then te- texted everybody like, what did you guys put in this food? What did you put in this food? And I come to find out, oh, that hot dog was actually beef. Oh, shoot. So, yeah, there you guys go. But I am... Like I said, I'm risking it and trying to beverage today. But if you're doing better now, maybe you should up the ante, see how far this goes, <laughs> oh, and just yeah. start working down the menu. You sound, yeah. you sound like Kit now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, yeah, hey, you, you look fine. You're, things, you're could, things could be real festive here in a well, couple hours. At the bar earlier, he was asking me, like, should I get a beer? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not the one with gout. He's like, what beer should I do? <laughs> he was trying to look for a way out if he, if he has a flare up. He could blame me like oh kid told me to get a beer so it's his fault yeah. <laughs> well as as a person that has dealt with that medical situation in my past um as i used to tell my wife i said honey i don't know how bad that hurt happened to our kids but it could have been worse than this right now because <laughs> that, that those flare-ups are are really painful yeah they're they're not fun so i'm hoping i'm crossing my fingers that and i have a a, a cup of water here just in case just kind of flush things out hopefully i don't know man i'm just drinking a beer keep mm. drinking them they'll there be fine yeah. <laughs> having a water is a good idea anyways i'm i'm thinking about grabbing a water preventative uh, maintenance i guess <laughs> i thought you were just thinking about being out on the water <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> speaking of that so um if you guys haven't you know we have a bunch of new listeners obviously so make sure uh go check out some of our previous episodes we've actually had hank on our uh podcast twice um you guys are gonna really want to hear his stories. You guys go go take a look. Uh, we'll put the links to the the previous episodes and everything uh, with Hank and his story and everything. But um, Hank, do you mind just kind of introducing yourself just briefly for our new listeners? What you're all about? What what Hank, Hank uh, learned to fish is all about? What one for water? We'll, we'll jump into your book and everything because I'm excited uh, to hear a little bit about your journey of of, of book writing too. So that's kind of cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, as I said, they got my name right. <laughs> I'm Hank. <laughs> And uh, I love to fish. I love to be outdoors. Um, I grew up in northwest Iowa, but kind of uh, always looking at the northern horizon, trying to do things up in Minnesota and Canada. Right. And in 1979, when I was just 27 years old, um, I was part of a trip with uh, one of my brothers and two other friends. And we canoed 1,300 miles from near our little cabin in west central Minnesota all the way up to Hudson Bay. Mm. Um, and of course, back then you have no computers. We just had some topo maps that we've gotten <laughs> and uh, kind of picked our way through the wilderness and ended up at the mouth of the Hayes River. Very historic site. And it was just an epic, epic journey. We got to see a polar bear lope by our camp. Uh, we caught amazing numbers of large northerns and some walleyes, of course, on the trip. We had to or we'd have starved, you know, back then. <laughs> you just drink the water out of it and everything. But that happened back in 1979, and, and basically it was for two reasons. Um, we wanted to have fun, mm-hmm. and we just wanted to see if we could do it. And we could do it, and we did have a lot of fun. Well, Two years ago, I was going back up to our cabin in Minnesota on an ice fishing trip, and I crossed over a watershed where we had started that trip 
going north up to Hudson Bay. And I honestly got had one of these like a bolt of lightning epiphany things where the <laughs> air supply and journey are singing above your heads, you know, and you got goosebumps and stuff. And I just thought, why not go the other direction? Why not do something special again in my life before I get way too old to do anything like that? So I, I immediately thought, you know, I'm going to canoe from the very same spot we went to Hudson Bay. I'm going to start at that same boat ramp, and I'm going to go all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Hmm. But I didn't want it just to be for fun yep. and to see if I could do it. Yep. Um, I wanted this to count. I, I owe Mother Earth or Planet Earth or Mother Nature, or however you want to call that entity. But for so many hours, so many days, I've spent wondrous times catching fish or just being in the water, being out in the wilderness or just being in parks and stuff that uh, I feel I owe a debt mm -hmm. uh, to pay that back. But I didn't have the resources or the knowledge to do it, but I know there are smart people that do. <laughs> so I thought if I could come up with a unique thing this trip that would get people to donate because it'd be interesting what we're doing and donate to people that could create a, a, a good conservation, let's say a library, so so to speak, of, of the monies come in and then they spend it in good reasons and good areas to preserve things for now and for the future. So um, a year ago, we partnered with the National Mississippi River Museum and Aquarium in Dubuque, set up a Facebook page, plus another website they had. But most of the donations came through from the Facebook page. And on June 3rd, uh, we started paddling to the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, from the very same place in western Minnesota. Now, when I say we, except for the first day and a half when I was in my kayak, because the Leaf River is so small, mm -hmm. you can't really put a heavily loaded canoe in it. Um, but I always had a partner then from that point on, once I got in the Crow Wing and then, of course, through the whole distance of the Mississippi and then the Chafalaya River, uh, I always had somebody in front with me, not the same person all summer. We had eight wonderful people that I just went on my phone and started call, <laughs> calling contacts. Say, hey, would you like to be part of this? You know, and as I, I wrote in the book, I'm very blessed to have a large number of great friends because to convince somebody to sit in a cramped canoe most of the summer while you're enduring the mosquitoes and the sunburn and the heat and the barges and the wakes and the waves, it's better to ask friends than complete strangers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, hey, buddy, what right. are you doing? What are right. you doing? <laughs> so, so I had eight great people that went anywhere from 15 days to three or four days, including my son, Andy. Um, and we raised tens of thousands of dollars for the River Museum's Take Care program, which is conservation action through advocacy, research, and engagement. And a real cool thing is, one of the ways they spent a bunch of the money already is to get the trailers and these huge wooden canoes that 10 people can be in each one of them. Wow. They're old, they're not old, but they're, they're wooden. It looks like, like the Huron Indians would have made them in the 1500s or something like that. Mm -hmm. And what they've been doing there at the museum in Dubuque is, is taking people upriver youngsters, mm -hmm. putting them in these canoes with all their gear, floating them halfway down to Dubuque, then camping overnight huh. on a sandbar and then going the rest of the way. And of course, talking about what goes on in the river, the wildlife, the fish, the mussels, everything. And some of these kids, of course, that's the first time they've ever been in a canoe, first time they've been on, on the water, and first time they've ever camped. And, and so to get the, the young people out doing that and doing it in canoes where we made that money through donations by canoeing all summer, I thought, that, <laughs> I thought that's pretty neat. That is pretty cool. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long-winded answer. Now, <laughs> I think I, I can't believe I haven't uh, asked you this before, but 
What was your family's reaction when you presented this idea to them? That's a great question because, yeah. of course, now at the time I was 69 years old. Right. And uh, my kids, I've got three adult youngsters and, of course, my wife. And I, I called them and said, hey, I got this idea. I'm going to take all of this. This happened in the winter of 2020. And I said, I'm going to start next spring in 2021 and I'm going to canoe the length of the pretty much the entire length of Mississippi, but uh, you know, the crow wing and the, and the leaf river and that. Anyway, I, I explained mm-hmm. the whole story to him and they just went, yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you haven't disappeared for entire summer for a while. You might as well do this next one. Oh, that's pretty no, cool. They, they were very supportive. Um, um, very, uh, they were proud of it. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Robin, She's so concerned about things that don't seem to concern me. I mean, <laughs> this is not a wilderness trip. Sure, there was a lot of strange, unique things because of the vastness of the river, the power of the river, the currents. Of course, all the barge traffic and the wakes and the troughs and the, the, the waves they, they create. Well, but, but I'm in civilization. Yeah. I mean, for the different. most part, I had a cell phone working the whole time, unlike yeah. being way up in the, in the boonies. But my daughter was concerned, so she put a tracking app, I guess you call it, on uh, my phone. Okay. So that constantly her and other members of my family knew exactly where I was at all times. Mm, that's good. Which but. It, it became entertaining. <laughs> um, because as soon as we got out of Lake Pepin, which is a long, narrow body of the Mississippi up north, and it's actually a, a, a lake that goes for miles, but so it's problematic because of the, the amount of waves and stuff you can get in. But as soon as we got off of Lake Pepin and, and rested, take a little break and have a sandwich, I got a text from my son and said, peace out, Pepin. <laughs> he, knew, he knew exactly where we were. And then a couple of days later, I got a, I looked down and we were waiting at a lock to go through because we would always have to wait. We had the, the low dibs on the totem pole as far as if we got to go through compared uh-huh. to the commercial traffic or larger vessels. So we're waiting our turn, and I get a text that simply says, Tom Petty song. It was a quiz, of course, for my son. He wants to know, he wants me to answer something with the name of a Tom Petty song. So I'm sitting there with my partner, Don, and we're going, what in the heck is he talking about? And all of a sudden, he hit me and go, oh, Don, I know. He knows we're in this lock because of the, the tracking thing. So I go, it's got to be. What's the word where it keeps going lower? Um, now I'm screwing this up. I can't think of it. Keeps free fall. Lower. Free, free fall. Free fall. Free fall. Yeah. So I go, it's got to be free falling because he knows we're in the lock and we're going down. Uh-huh. So I, I'm proud as heck. I go, free falling. I text it off and he sends back. He knew we were there, but he also knew we hadn't gone anywhere for an hour. It just says <laughs> the waiting's the hardest part. Right, right, so she right, answered right. what the actual answer was another Tom Petty song. Oh. Anyway, so it's kind of cool that they had a tracking device on you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, there's the worst thing. Yeah, <laughs> they, they knew where we were, but that's okay. I'm yeah. glad they were concerned instead of, you know, who cares? You yeah. know, there you go. That's, you know, hope you come back. Yeah, <laughs> see that. Good luck. <laughs> uh, what made you, because, okay, your, your initial trip, there was a book written about it. You're. What made you decide, you know what, you're going to write a book this time in, in, you know, in regards to your, your trip going down south? What made you decide, like, all right, I'm going to do this? Because I don't know. I, I've never written a book, obviously. But what makes somebody like, that's a lot of work. 
to write yeah. a book. Yeah. So yeah. what what made you decide like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna jot down my entire trip and my journey. Yeah, and and, and I'm gonna add to this. Was that always part of the plan? Yeah. Never. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, well, first let's go back to yes, there was a very well-written book by Denny Weideman, who was part of our trip to Hudson Bay back at 79. He wrote a wonderful book called This Water Goes North, yeah. which pays tribute to a phrase my dad told me as when I was a little boy, explaining that in that area, the water didn't go to the Mississippi. It flowed north up to Hudson Bay. Mm-hmm. Denny wrote a wonderful book about it. Now, as far as this book, One for Water, which was I just come up with the name, you know, and called the trip One for Water, and then obviously the book. Never, ever had I planned on writing a book because one thing, I thought it'd be way too hard and it'd be it'd take way too much of my time. Hmm. But I would keep a little journal on the trip, and then I also tried to do Facebook posts almost daily if I had cell service, because that's the way to keep the interest up from the people that were donating the money. That was very important for the River Museum, so that the donations could keep coming in. And we ended up with quite a following. About 1,500 people were following us daily as we're going down the river. And a lot of them would comment about where you're at, how you're doing, and, and it's great, and all this and that. But many of them, many of them suggested, hey, you got to write a book about this when you're done. Uh-huh. And so that's where that came from. They're, they're, and a lot of those people, I don't know at all. You know, I don't know that many people. So mm-hmm. it's not just friends and family. It's people I've never met, probably never will meet. But their comments on Facebook were, this is really cool. Would you please write a book about it? And um, so I started thinking, well, I'll try. <laughs> yeah. And no, shout out to you because uh, thanks for posting because I was actually tracking you. We were, we were talking about it. We're like, should we try to get him on while he's on the trip? We're like, nah, I think he's a little bit busy right now. We're like, dude, wouldn't that be kind of, we were thinking, we're like, wouldn't that be cool? We just get Hank while he's canoeing, and, you know, on the phone or something on the podcast. We're like, nah, he's got bigger you, you should have tried that because we actually did that on through Andy's phone. The, oh, really? A couple of days he was with us. It was a, uh, a newspaper. Uh, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Okay. Or it was a TV station up there someplace. You got a call into us, and we just did that from the phone. Could have done as that. We're, as we're floating down the, floating down the river. But, we, yeah, we it was fig- cool. We figured he might have bigger things to, to worry about than talking to us idiots here. Now, <laughs> you know, if you would have set it up for a certain time and a certain day, yeah. then I tried to make sure that we were in a, a situation that we weren't dealing with something that sure. was going to cause any anxiety. Yeah, like barges getting yeah. in the way. Oh, <laughs> here comes the barge. <laughs> well, you can't, you know, I can't control that. Yeah, you know? right. So, uh, but uh, it was cool. It was cool to see your your, your updates, though. I, every time you posted on the updates, it was kind of cool just kind of reading your journey and how whatever issues you were running into, how, you know, if you're reaching a certain location or spot they were anticipating uh-huh. and all that stuff, just kind of... It was a book in itself, in a, in a sense. It was kind of cool. Well, see, that's what I thought then when I told my wife, Ann, I said, you know, all these people would like a book. I said, I don't think I'm going to do it. But then I thought, you know, if I would just take my journal entries uh-huh. and those Facebook posts, because, of course, they're still up there, I should just copy those out day by day. It's, it's going to be a piece of cake, right? Well, <laughs> obviously, it ends up being a, a lot more than that, but those his Facebook posts and journal entries were certainly a, a resource uh, point to build off of. For sure. And the fact that you kind of try to remember the trip again, because I started the book, um, you know, many months after it was finished, but you don't have a perfect memory of it all the time. But what's cool is all the pictures we took, of course, those are dated. Oh, 
So in my phone, you know, I'd be going, okay, this is where we were. I think that's where we were. And then I go, yeah, there's, I took a picture of our tent sitting there. Mm. That's, you know, and that was that date. So between the pictures, the journal and the Facebook, that started getting put into the book. But I don't think it would have been enough content. And like Ann said, she goes, hey, it's your book, Hank. Put in there what you want. <laughs> right, yeah. So you guys know me enough that I, I just start talking about other things that <laughs> that in my mind kind of connect. I, I, right, I don't right, know right, about right. always. So every day of the trip's a segment in there. But then I also have segments where I go off and I talk about hope or water or trees or birds or any of that. And then even on the daily segments, I may take a little side paddle trip and, and tell a background story of something similar, you know, from when my kids were little or a trip way up north or something else. So it's it's not just a we paddle, paddle, paddled, slipped in a sandbar, paddle, paddle, paddled, slipped in a sandbar again. <laughs> there's there's it wanders around um, before you get to the end. So it's fairly I think it's fairly entertaining. There we go. There we go. Um how was the fishing along the... I, I know we asked a little bit, but how was the fishing along the whole trip for you? Did you get a chance to fish, and did you get a chance to catch what you were hoping to catch at all? Um, first of all, I personally didn't fish as much as I thought I would. Okay. I, I, I assumed that I'd do a lot of fishing, but we were paddling most of the day without fishing just because we always had set a goal to try to go 30 miles a day we went we needed to be done by the first week in august for my last com companion um and then when we get to the end of the day and we'd find a place that we're going to camp first thing you got to do is is get the canoe unloaded get your tents up get supper going and that and my partners a lot of times would fish and seriously i was a either too tired to do anything except <laughs> sit there and watch them or that was the time that i would be doing the facebook posts uh, you know okay. which i really got to enjoy doing um because of the comments of concerns you know i i got a big kick out of punching all those buttons on my phone and hitting send because <laughs> within minutes i'm getting a comment a comment a comment from people all over you know which are really cool questions to answer so a lot of times I wouldn't be fishing. I'd be doing that while my partners were fishing. Mm -hmm. so. so this is the thing. The trip, how many years between the trips? When you, your first trip and this trip, how many years was it? Uh, 42. 42. 42. So the yeah, I went from being 27 to 69. <laughs> oh, wow. So can you, uh, or at least explain to us, the biggest difference because of technology and everything, right? So then you couldn't communicate with them. No. You couldn't post. There was no social media, obviously. There's no internet. Well, we wouldn't have had cell service. We exactly. didn't have cell phones. What do you mean cell service? So, <laughs> so what was, I mean, did you like it better with technology or do you like it better when you initially did when you were younger? There was, it was just free realm. There was no posting or anything. So that's a great question. As far as the, the technology, that we have now compared to 1979. I like the technology. Okay. I know a lot of people say, oh, just get away from it. Don't look at this, don't look at that. Yeah. I enjoyed the Facebook thing. And like I said, I enjoyed the interaction with people that were concerned about us on the trip. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed being able to punch up my baseball scores, you know, uh, and, and, and you know, that kind of, and call my, my wife and, right, and talk right. to my kids, which way back in Northern, on, or excuse me, Northern Manitoba in 1979, you didn't have any of that. Yeah. Now, the other differences of the trip though, the fact that way up there back then, you know, we're just drinking out of the lake. 
you know, <laughs> and, and we're, um, you know, we're catching so many fish and, and, and enjoying the wilderness experience. We, we were in some very beautiful and unique and neat areas on the one for water trip, but we weren't in a wilderness experience i mean you know there'd be planes flying over and you're in cell phone range and and that's going on and of course we're not drinking the water (laughs) which is a a bit even if we would have treated it or filtered it so so we would have once we got down you know from st louis memphis on where it was so hot and so humid for two guys in the canoe when we filled up with water we had 12 gallon jugs so instead of like three great big ones we had 12 one gallon jugs because we could store them easier uh-huh. you know put little ones different places so i mean we got a hundred pounds of water with us wow all the time when we until we start drinking the heck out of it and we <laughs> would drink a gallon and a half to two gallons per person per day wow so every third day we needed to get water hmm. you know and we were trying every fifth day to take a shower and then charge up our cell phones. Now, I would bathe in the river, flop around in it at night, but it was basically to cool off. Right, you know, right. I'm not getting cleaner in that stuff. And I had a solar panel along, but I really struggled with where I could set it in the canoe that it would could catch the sun to do what it was supposed to without me getting it wet when I, when I switched over from one side to the other. And I didn't want to set it up too high farther from me and then have it slide in and be gone. So it, it actually ended up better to just have those little power packs, you know, you have for your phones. Yep. Yep. And like every fifth day when we would stay either at a campground that had a shower and power or somebody's house, if they were, you know, some river angel would let us in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would just charge those power packs in. And I, I bought that solar panel. We, we didn't use it very often, you know. But, you know, those are differences. I like the technology, but I like the wilderness, you know. Okay. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you can compare the two trips, but you can't really compare the two because the end goal is a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't have had the second one without the first one. For right. sure. You know, because I wouldn't have thought of doing that. Um, and like I said, the first one, in fact, we nicknamed it the Halibut 4 because it was just for the Halibut. but but this one you know was as it said in the book this time it mattered this time we were going to try to do something positive that would be worthwhile so as far as the book is concerned um i mean i've never written a book so i don't know what the process is did you get everything you wanted to get out there across in the book or is there something like oh man i should i forgot to put this in there Uh, that's a great question obviously there are times even after I'd go through a segment before I would email a segment, which would be like a day or one of my other thoughts about something mm-hmm. to my publisher, I would go through it maybe six or seven times wow. and finally sign off on it in my own head. I'd say, OK, I got it. This is it. And then after you get that now, about 10 more segments pass that I'm thinking, God, did I say this? I wanted to say <laughs> this back there. So obviously there are some things that I, I wished I would have added mm-hmm. or maybe said something a little different. I go off on a, a couple of journeys that aren't really that canoe trip, and maybe I I, I could have reined that in a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but otherwise, no, I'm very proud of it. And 
as far as actually doing it, I had very good fortune of running into a, a gentleman in Ames that's a, a professor in the architecture department up there, but he does publishing and printing on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, he's originally from the country of Germany. I hope I pronounced Mickish Mikolis. <laughs> he's a wonderful man, and, and he was right there in Ames. And he showed me many books that he had published before, was excited about this one. And the way it actually nuts and bolts how it worked then is, is I, I first started just with a n- notebook. I'm just writing it down, writing down, writing down. But then I would have to copy it. I don't have a laptop. I'm, I'm not very uh, eloquent as far as any technology goes. I just got my old smartphone. So I would then have to repunch it in on my phone so that I could email it to him. And I would first put them on my phone like a segment or a day and then transfer it to my notes. And then I could look back to it any time quickly and fix it and fix it, fix it. But once I got like three or four of those that I think were done, Mm -hmm. then I'd immediately email them to him because I was so afraid I was going to drop my phone in a lake (laughs) or a river and and lose weeks of, of, of effort and work. Um, so basically, as strange as it sounds, I, I wrote the entire book then just on my phone because wow. I quit writing it on, on, on a manuscript and then having to transport. I just punched the whole thing on my phone mm. the Holy whole time. Cow. Yeah, and it, it bugged my eyes because really, <laughs> I mean it's just a regular little you phone. Technically typed out on your phone your book. Yeah, that's and I actually did it wow. probably three or four times because of changing it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as having the time to do it, uh, you guys know, and some of the listeners do, but I'm going through some cancer treatments, and I had a five-week stint that I had to be up at Mayo Clinic this spring. Uh-huh. And so I told myself, hey, get the treatments done in the morning, and then I'm going to dedicate at least two days or two segments of that book before I, A, go fishing or go on a bike ride or something. So I would go back to a fabulous place I got to stay in called the Hope Lodge. It's sponsored by the American Cancer Society. I would go back there and have breakfast and then start working on the book, start typing out my thoughts and everything. And I had the maps sitting there. Mm-hmm. I had uh, you know, my journal here. And, of course, I've just changed from where I'm typing to back to my Facebook page. You know, And, and it took about three hours per segment for me to get something down so like in one day i try to do two days of the book gotcha so while i was up there for 25 days i could get 50 days of the book done right um and so like 85 percent or more of the book got finished while i was up at mayo clinic wow because i had the time to and i just told myself you know do it you know right, for sure. sure before you go do something fun at the, the end of the day you know <laughs> you gotta earn it you yeah gotta, you exactly. gotta earn it. it's yeah. a reward yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. wow it's kind of like going to work and then all right as you go to work then you go do fun stuff afterwards <laughs> yeah you know that uh and it was neat looking back at all that stuff and remembering the places yeah. and the things and uh you know there were some times we got in some stuff that we wished we wouldn't have it got way more anxious let's just say yeah. than, than we'd like and okay. then there are other times of course it was just so pretty you know we would even though unfortunately there's always dealing with trash i mean yeah. we would see yep. it in the river wherever we can there would be trash there wow. you could never go up to a place and not find some and of course, we'd always pick up our little area where our tents were and stuff. We'd every day we'd grab like three or four things out of the river just because 
it made us feel better. Yeah. We'd go, okay, get that thing, or we'll get that thing. But you float by hundreds of things, but you, you pick up three or four and put them in the bag. Um, but once we got down further on the, the lower part of the river, which is now very, very wide, a mile, two miles or more, we would try to always camp on the port side or the east side of it. Mm-hmm. Because then as we're setting up our tents in that, we got the beautiful sunset with the barges going by out there and the sunset and the bird noise and the insects and everything. And then, of course, in the morning, what trees we had in the area, there were a lot of black willows and some other, you know, cottonwoods and sycamores. They would give us shade so we wouldn't get hit by the sun right away. So uh, I even wrote in there, it's... It seems like at times like we didn't move, you know, it, because this same day, doesn't that the same sunset, the same tree and the canoe out there? Well, it's because we always want to be on the east side of the river to enjoy the sunset and then have shade in the morning. So, yeah, the river was kind of scary and, and, and dirty at times and that, but in college, sure was pretty, you know. I would say, well, you would know this. I mean, I guess from your first trip to this trip, the trash... Like you were mentioning, I mean, whoa, could you s- see like a huge difference from well, back then to now? Like, well, keep in mind that first trip we're up, you know, once we got pretty much out of civilization north of Lake Winnipeg, yeah, we were in a region that get back then got traveled almost never. So, no, we never for sure ever saw any trash up there because nobody, nobody's been through it, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and even this to this day now, like. When I've gone on a trip this summer to the very northern part of Saskatchewan and some other ones in in Ontario, we didn't see any trash. So I I think a lot of the trash, I hope a lot of the trash that we're seeing is actually from years ago. It's still there, Mm -hmm. but I hope it's not as current. Um, And you guys fish around Central Iowa so much, even more than me. It, It seems to me... I hope I'm being positive here that a lot of the places I go, like, let's say I'm, I'm going to float the Des Moines River from Fraser down to Waterworks and I pull up to that ramp and it's clean. Most of the time, a place like that is clean. Now, even five or 10 years ago, it would have been just a mess. Yeah. Kind of like below Sailorville. If you yeah, walk down to that point, I yeah. mean, you should take seven guys and 10 bags with you. Uh, I don't know how we fix that, but well, we're in, um, yeah, stay tuned because we were going to do one this, uh, this fall, a cleanup, but I think as it's just getting a little bit too cold, but I think a uh, fishing kid myself, we're talking, we're going to do like a spring cleanup. So we'll probably do Sailorville will probably be the spot that we're going to definitely yeah. target because you're right. It, needs help. well if we can just get the listeners and a lot of them do this just always have one of those bags you got at your local grocery store or walmart yes. mm-hmm. have it in your pocket when you go down there to fish you go on a bike ride or something mm-hmm. and don't get depressed by going oh my god because that doesn't help you and it doesn't help the area <laughs> for sure but just say hey you know what i'm gonna take i'm gonna fill this bag and it and it takes you a minute and a half right is yes. all yeah because right. there's it's just so much yeah but there's some places if you had two bags and you spend three and a half minutes you look back and go look at that it's all cleaned up yeah that's really all it takes is like two bags and three minutes for you know like a boat ramp someplace or a jetty that people fish on or whatever yeah and, and isn't it sad that we're talking about the trash when we go fishing you would think that the people that love the outdoors that fish like we do wouldn't be the ones to trash it. Mm-hmm. 
you would think I, I think it comes down to a lot well there might be some newbies I don't know out there that possibly leave stuff behind which no that's just as an excuse you should just take your whatever yeah. shit you bring out there number one take it back with you yeah number two take an extra couple things back with you yeah and always you know never leave any and always bring some back there right. you go it's just like a mantra that i i've told my kids years ago you know always pick some up and never leave any if everybody that enjoyed their outdoor excursions and activities would do that in in five years trash should be gone you know it would help yeah 100 you know a, a really positive example of this uh subject we're on is ice fishing lake of the woods Oh. which I do usually three to four times a season. And I even wrote a letter to the editor in an outfit called Outdoor News years ago about how frustrating and disappointing it is to see all the trash left behind by the people in their wheelhouses and their hub shacks. When they pick up and leave, they get off the ice and they've left a mess. Yeah. This year, the trips I've been up there... Honest to God, you couldn't find any trash. Really? I'm not making this up. Either I just was lucky at the time <laughs> and where I was, but you would drive, you know, because at times your shack is out there maybe 13 miles from, from shore. Yeah. You know, you're going down the ice road, and then you got your little side road to get to your shack. Clean. Nothing. It was it was very... I'm glad you mentioned it because, you know, ice season's coming around the corner here. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Around here locally, we do see a ton of trash. Of trash? Of, oh. And, and see, I, I wish people would understand. Okay, well, leaving your trash, where do you guys think is going to go once the ice melts? It's, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's not going <laughs> to... Number one, your trash doesn't disintegrate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just... So, um, that should be a thing that, for sure, I think ice fishermen, please be... You know, conscious. Everybody, of, just everybody. Yeah, just pick it up and never leave any. For sure, it'll be better. I agree. I don't kind of get off that soapbox now. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just gonna say one last thing with social media now. I think it kind of helps in that regard because people are aware now. And then if you're that guy leaving a pile of trash, people are gonna call you out. Like, yeah, if they can figure out who you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they can figure out who you That's are. That's true. And then. Once in a while, people need a reminder. You know, they'll see a post like, oh, hey, I picked up some random trash. And then next time they'll be thinking about that post. Maybe. They'll be like, yeah. hey, may, you know, maybe I'll pick up some yeah. of this stuff. Just, just pick some up. There you go. Make yeah. it look better. You need another beer. I might need another beer. I might, <laughs> I, I might risk it. We'll do we'll, we'll do a little halftime here and then uh, <laughs> do, do a little refill. And then uh, we'll jump into a little bit more about fishing and uh and then we'll finish up a little bit about your book and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I, I read the first book. I can't wait to to dive into this one. So I'm. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Maybe later on I'll just read a little phrase out of there so the the people listening can say, "Oh, that's not bad. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll pick that up." There we go. So let's go get a refill kit. I'm gonna. I'm risking it for Hank today. So here we go. Okay. Yeah, up the ante. We'll Thanks, find guys. out in a couple of days if it's. Uh, oh, we'll find oh, out. He'll tomorrow. find out tomorrow. tomorrow. He'll find out. We'll right know tomorrow. We'll yeah. know tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I so. didn't realize it hits that. Oh quick. yeah. Inst- uh, it, next yeah. day. Next yeah. day, my friend. Yeah. Here we go. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm with no, that. I'm not much on. Uh, Just a hazy I'm, IPA. I'm, I'm a Mama Bush like guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Got like a little hoppy, but not super hoppy. Okay. Kind of a citrusy. No. Not like do most of these have like seven, eight percent alcohol, or are they toned down? Some. Uh, I'd say five, oh, six okay. ish. 
All right, everybody, we're back. Um, I'm not doing a beer this time. I'm doing a seltzer because uh, Fishing Kid told me to try it out because it looked good. It's a Toppling Goliath uh, Mango Pseudo Seltzer. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Toppling Goliath. So. A, man- a mango. What did you throw in there? It says Mango Pseudo Seltzer. Oh, uh, <laughs> fake mango, fake <laughs> seltzer. <laughs> Well, we're going to try How it is out. it? I don't know. We're about oh. to find out right now. Hey, what do you got over there, guy? I forgot. It's a hazy <laughs> it's a, There we go. Cheers, cheers. I forgot I, what it was called. He just sat on the table. I said, what did you get this time? And he goes, I, I, I forgot already. <laughs> this might be one of the better seltzers I've ever had. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. pretty tasty. Hmm. I'll have to remember that. Wow. I'm actually because I'm not a huge seltzer guy. And it comes I, in a real can, at least. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least, <laughs> a, yeah, like a real beer can, I guess. But it's not bad. It's actually pretty, pretty decent. Try it out, guys. Toppling Goliath Brewing Company, Iowa Brewing Company. I think up north, northeast, northeast, Decora. Oh, yeah, pretty area. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, so speaking of, I want to jump in a little bit about fishing and the reason being is because uh, i was watching your post and everything i know you just did uh i think was that just recently you went uh, up in canada is that correct Were yeah you up no, north? Was, uh, my last trip across the border we did a boating trip uh into some lakes in uh east of nestor falls ontario cool there's an area up there that a good friend of mine introduced me to oh 30 some years ago and in that region ontario you're still allowed to camp wherever you can on what they call crown land. Okay. Uh, I used to go further north up to Red Lake, Ontario, but most of that region, unless you're out west in what is called Wilden, or, um, Woodland Caribou Provincial Park, you're not allowed to just wander around and camp. So, and I love camping. And, yeah. and so the, this trip was, uh, we pay the First Nation people that have the land there to park the truck and put the boat in. Okay. And I had myself and two brothers, who obviously are brothers and good friends then too, but we boated a 14-foot lund for two hours across three lakes to get to our one portage to get that boat up and the motor and the gas. We had a 10-horse on it and wow. all of our, our, you know, our sleeping stuff and our foods and our fishing stuff and everything. Basically, it was like a one-hour portage because mm-hmm. um, it's not very long, but there's a steep shale bank to get everything up to level at first. But like I told these guys, of course, they're like 50 years old instead of 70, so they're a lot <laughs> better shape. And I said, you know, just consider it like you're going to the gym. You're going to work really hard for an hour. But you're gonna have a you know five day reward at the end of it. So I saw your post. I was like, man, it's so beautiful. And then uh, I was showing my wife, and I can't, I, you know, this is my bucket list thing. Is my wife and myself is that to see the Northern Lights? Yeah, and it looks like you got the. Yes. Ch- I was like, oh, because I, sh- I showed my wife. I was, I was just going through the, you know your post and everything. My wife saw. It. She goes, what's that? The Northern Lights? I go. Yes, I go, and she, you know, she she knows that uh, we've had you on our podcast. I and I told her you were up there, and she's like, "What?" The? She was yeah. so because it's 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 a bucket list thing for yeah. her to, to be able to see. How how is it? How what is it like to see the Northern Lights? Well, it's I guess the very first time you remember seeing them. Of course, when, when I saw them like, when I was a little boy, and so yeah. it's just you know don't remember that. But for someone that hasn't seen them at all. Um, it's remarkable, and it can be beyond remarkable to be to be unspectacular, depending on how good they are. What I mean by good is how bright, yeah. and whether they're colorful, and whether they're moving in different. Well, I call them like theater curtain shapes. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. where they're going like this, and they can be all different colors. Now, the ones that we saw up there on that trip, and and we took pictures with our phones. 
were not the brilliant, colorful ones, mm-hmm. but they were pretty and they were moving some. And I mean, obviously, you knew they're Northern Lights. There's nothing else in the sky could be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, um, Ryan's phone that took those pictures, they showed up great on the phone. It looked better on the phone than they really were. Really? Yeah, they, were they, they seemed not as bright, you know, just sitting there looking at him with a naked eye is that when he took a picture, he goes, wow, look at that. <laughs> and usually when you take your phone and try to pick, take pictures yeah. of stuff at night, it's the opposite. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got a new phone with something in there going, I got to excite me or something. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it looked good. Yeah, it was. it's a great trip. And, uh, That's awesome. Well, I like just getting away from, you know, as much as I love people, I like getting to places where I'm not going to see people. Mm-hmm. And once again, I can drink right out of the lake. And what we do, we actually treat it. I take iodine tablets. Mm-hmm. So we treat it with the iodine and then put the buffer in so you don't taste the iodine. And then we just flavor it with Crystal Light or, or Crystal Light and Tito's or, oh. you know, something. <laughs> Tito's. <laughs> Tito. House goes good. How's the fishing? You know, at the very first day, it was really slow. And for where we were, I was so disappointed. And these guys uh, hadn't been to that lake with me before, and I felt bad. And then then it dramatically picked up, uh, okay. especially with bigger fish. And uh, Ryan released a northern that was uh, 40 inches, right at 40 inches. We figured it was about 19 pounds. Big, big, wow. fat fish, That's... which was his personal best for the northern. And his, his brother, Eric, got a, a largemouth. Very few of those in that lake, but he got a largemouth that was four pounds, nine ounces, wow. um, which was his biggest largemouth. And we caught plenty of, of nice walleyes to eat. We kind of almost had to pick through the walleyes because the majority of the ones we caught were bigger than what you'd normally clean up. You know, you, you know they're like 22, 23 inches, yeah, and geez. you'd rather be, you know, slapping into a 17 or something. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we had fresh walleye every night that we were having fish, and you know, it's kind of interesting just on a trip like that coming up with a, a neat menu, you know. Yeah. Because on this trip, because of that portage, we opted for not a cooler at all. So we had nothing we could keep cold. So our, our sandwiches, like for lunch, were, you know, like summer sausage. You know, you can buy those things. Now, I don't know how they keep them where they're still good, but it says right on them. You know, you don't have to refrigerate them until you open the package, and then you just got to eat it all. Preservatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. preservatives. Yeah, salt, salt. No wonder I have cancer. Yeah, no, right? no, wonder, no wonder I have gout. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's all that darn preservatives. Yeah. But, you know, every night we're eating fish, and. It's, you know, and then you watch the stars come out and look for the northern lights and say, I guess I'll fall asleep, get up first thing in the morning, go out fishing. Because the lake's right there, your tent's right there. There's nobody else around. You don't hear anything except for, you know, maybe some frogs yet this time of year. Very few insects. The ravens wake up right away in the morning. They get going right away. What about like big creatures? I'm talking moose, elk, or bears? <laughs> bears. Even? That yeah. area has quite a few black bears. Okay. Um, oh. <laughs> but we camp in an area on a lake that doesn't have normal activity and certainly doesn't have places that people go to camp. Okay. You know, so, so it's not like you're... Um, at an area that the bears are used to having human activity so they can find food. Uh, you know, okay. we're, mm. it would be it would be unlucky. It would be unlucky for us to be visited by one. Yeah. Because uh-huh. they, it, it would be very random. 
Gotcha. Um, and if you go back 30, 40 years, uh, it used to have a lot of moose in that area. And now we see almost none. Wow. Um, I don't know. You know. I'm not smart enough to tell you whether it's climate change, the fact that now there are deer there and they never used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see bear. We don't see hardly any moose. Now, if you go just another two hours north, you'll have a, a really good moose population yet again. You know, you get up around uh, Red Lake area. So... Huh. And of course, we got otters in the lake and beavers splashing and that kind of stuff. And I love the birds. There's pelicans that stay on the lake all summer. So there's white pelicans floating around out there by. And of course, the loons are all calling and the eagles and the ospreys and the whiskey jacks. I don't know if you know what a whiskey jack uh, is. I have no, no idea. A whiskey jack <laughs> is actually called a gray jay. That's its actual terminology. But years and years ago, when the area was being lumbered, um, by people in order to get the wood because almost all those areas this is now the second growth it all got timbered out of there mm. back in like the 1930s or 40s or something I'm not sure exactly what decade but around those uh, lumber camps these gray jays would always be coming around picking up the food left over and, and, and they'd get almost tame enough that they would eat out of the the lumberjack's hands and stuff well and they started playing tricks on them. And they would take a little piece of biscuit or bread and soak it in the booze. Oh, boy. And the Jays would come and eat it for the the workers' entertainment to watch them then, you know, fly into trees and bounce <laughs> into each drunk, other. Drunk, drunk Jays. That is but that's something. their nickname is the Whiskey Jacks. And because oh, interesting. They, they would, you know, treat them badly years ago. <laughs> they're, they're cool, bird. That's probably not PETA approved. I would guess not. So would you believe me if I said I've seen the Northern Lights, but I've never left? I didn't. I saw them in Iowa. No, I'd absolutely believe you. I believe some of the very best I ever saw. I was a youngster back in our farm in Northwest Iowa, and they just hung like curtains moving in front of us. The blues and purples. You really saw one? Um, I actually in town in Des Moines. What? Up at Sailorville. So there was a night, ah, I forgot how many years ago it was, but there was a big, like a coronal mass ejection. Yes. So there's yeah. like a abnormally huge uh, solar storm. Yep. And then, well, this, I found this out after the fact, after I saw it, but I went out bowling, you know, tons of drinks, because bowling and drinks kind of go together. You can enhance those northern lights. Are you sure you saw a light? You sure it wasn't the alcohol, man? Well, I was driving home, and I just looked up <laughs> in the sky, and it was like pulsating. Yeah, you look up to your windshield and go, oh my God, that's yeah. it. Oh. So I called my buddy. I was like, hey. Can you look outside? Did you freak like, out? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? You want verification? Yeah, you know, because like I said, I I was drinking and yeah, maybe I shouldn't share too many details there. But, He's incriminating himself. <laughs> but anyway, I called my buddy. I told him like, hey, look outside, dude. Like, tell like, t- am I going crazy or is the sky pulsating? And he's like, holy shit, dude. And then we decided to meet up uh, up at Sailorville. I was like, hey, let's go to Sailorville. And then that's when we saw it. Really good. Yeah, I saw yeah. it really good. Would you go up on the dam? Yeah, well, on the oh, dam. Park God, that had to have been fabulous. So I'm surprised. Yeah, because, you know, supposedly, I mean, you can't really see it around the city or in town because you need... You, you should be in an area where there's not light, so you right. can actually see. Yeah. It you can get away from the light pollution, exactly. then you're so much better. I wonder if the statute of limitations has run out, and you can tell us more about that. <laughs> <Yeah. night> of- <laughs> I think he's fine. You're fine with that. I think it was like what 20 years ago, kid. I think you're fine. Wait, wait. 
<laughs> I thought I was, uh, you know, maybe I had too much to drink and I was just seeing stuff. But when we got out there, it was, I mean, you you already know what it's like. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how this would uh, compare to, let's say, as seeing it in the Canada or whatever. But there was this guy out there. He was taking photography of it. And he, we were talking to him and he kind of explained the whole coronal mass ejection thing. And he told us about a website called spaceweather.com where they forecast yeah, this Yeah, they can project this yeah. or predict it. Yeah. yeah. I actually have an app on my phone. And I, because, because my, like I said, it's my wife's and my bucket list. So I check the app every so often. And Iowa is, is on the bottom portion that you can see it. Yeah. But you, there's opportunities. Yeah, you there's opportunities, but you'll have to drive away from the city. It's to, pretty yeah. rare. Well, Sailorville is like, yeah. well, five yeah. minutes from here. Right. <laughs> Everything has to match up. Everything from can be a cloud in the exactly. sky. Yeah. You know, the weather has to be fine. And it has to be perfectly low enough to Iowa that we can see and all that yeah. stuff. So, so it has to fit. And sometimes it's like, there's a possibility, but it's at 3 a.m. in the morning. So yeah. it's one of those things. And then, that, you, then it's cloudy. Yeah. You know? Or yeah. the moon's shining. Everything's really got to line up, but it's it sure is cool so, when it does. Yeah, it it was the perfect storm. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I was able to see it. Uh, you know, uh, just some random night after bowling. Oh, my wife's <laughs> going to be so upset. Now. She's going to be like, what? Kit saw it? And I haven't even seen it. Because we went up to Canada a couple of years ago uh, to visit some family. And we had no idea there was going to be... Uh, Northern Lights there, siding up there in, um, it was in Washington, Seattle. So there was an opportunity, but we would have to stay up till like four in the morning. We had no idea. My wife got all upset with me. Like, how was I supposed to know that we're going to stay up till four in the morning? You know, just to see the Northern Lights, but yeah. go figure, man. <laughs> yeah, but if it's on your bucket list, maybe set an alarm and yeah. go out and go out and try to is, see them. That you know? is true. Don't stay up all night. Just wake right. up early. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Possibly, people are. I think we have a few Canadian listeners. They're probably like, "What the heck? We see this all the time. Like, what are you guys talking about?" Northern Lights. That's a big deal. But I don't. I don't. You make them sound like they're jaded. I think they still appreciate it when so? they see it. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. yeah. Especially some of the ones that, like the good ones that you saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's breathtaking. I actually have a little story in the book um, about a night long long time ago we were way up in canada we'd been just ate a bunch of wonderful walleyes for supper and then the stars were coming out it was my son andy he was only like nine and my friend dave's boy tony was just eight yeah and now we're just watching the stars just sitting on boat cushions on this big rock and with the lake right there yeah well tony decided instead of sitting on the boat cushions that his dad's lap would be better and so he's sitting on Dave's lap, and all of a sudden the northern lights just appeared and just wow. hung there for, you know, like 45 minutes just putting on a display. It was spectacular. That's and Andy and I cool. were talking about what it looked like and that. You know, he's a little boy. He goes, I'll never forget this. I, I said, hey, Tony, what do you think of the northern lights? And Dave replied, Hank, he's, he fell asleep. He's going to sleep. <laughs> I said, you mean he fell asleep in your lap and he won't remember any of this? And Dave goes, and I'll never forget it. Mm, kind of a father-son moment. Yeah, you know? there you go. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's that pretty cool. Uh, I, I don't know if we ever asked this, but what's your, I guess a two, two question. What's the ferret fish that you like to fish for? And what's the favorite fish that you like to eat? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, lake trout. Okay. Um, ice fishing for lake trout, for me, is, is just electric. Why? I just, Why? 
because it's hours and hours of tedious boredom. <laughs> and then it's just like the the rocket blows up, you know, and, you know, because the way I do it, I'm just jigging a tube jig, jigging a tube jig, jigging a tube jig, and going, why am I doing this, you know? You can, can ask this guy then, about this. And then, and then that pole almost goes out of your hand, and you watch a lot of your line go off the reel, and you sit there and go, that's why I do this. Ah, it is, it is so trout. cool. Yeah, I have a vendetta against lake trout because oh, no. I hear so many good things, and... A few years ago, I went out to Colorado to visit Brandy's I brother I saw the posts about yeah. that. Yeah. And I was like, yes, Lake Trout. And they're telling me, oh, it's so easy. You just go out there and just basically drop your line in the water, and you just, like, pull them out one after another. You're like, you, you can't do anything wrong. The first day we go out, I'm do- apparently, I don't know, I'm, I must be the opposite because I got skunked. And now, was this ice fishing or open ice fishing, water? Ice, oh, ice, ice fishing. Up in the mountains. And so I had, a, I guess I had an expectation. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go out and knock off this fish off my bucket list. Easy. And that's what the the Colorado guys were telling me. Yeah, easy. You just drop it in, you see a fish, and then just reel as fast as you can. And then... Did man, you ever get one? Not that first day. So we went to another lake uh, the next day, or maybe the day after. And I ended up getting two or three smaller ones i wasn't satisfied yeah. but I, I haven't i haven't tried targeting them since then yeah. so uh-huh. it's kind of like is it open water that you prefer hank to to, to the lake trout or do no, you like no, ice no i i mean i i catch more of them on a couple of trips that i try to take every year up in canada through open water mm-hmm. okay. uh, either digging or most of the time we're just trolling so you're just trolling 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 and then they whack your deep diver or whatever and that's fun but it's not the same as just sitting there and watching this hole and of course (laughs) I I think you guys know this about me already and it's I am not adverse technology but I don't (laughs) use it when I fish I don't use any electronics what and I I guess it's probably because I'm so old now that the lakes the places I go to I kind of know where the fish are I know what depths they're going to be, what part of the water table they're going to show up in, and what they're probably going to be interested in. Mm-hmm. So instead of drilling a whole bunch of holes and going along and seeing if I'm looking to fish, I go to where I want to fish, I drill my two holes, and I start catching fish, hopefully. <laughs> huh. But I don't I don't want to push a button over here and know that I don't have a chance in heck because there's nothing down there. Right, I want right. to constantly expect and anticipate I'm about to catch a nice fish. Well, I used to think of lake trout fishing as uh, an exception to that because let's say if I'm sitting in 63 feet of water up there on two and a half feet of ice, they could come through anywhere from right on the bottom to right under that ice. Mm -hmm, Really? Right under it. And so it would be nice to look at the screen over here and say, oh, there's one at 35 feet or whatever. But then you got the screen you're looking at and you're listening to the hum and you don't hear the <laughs> raven maybe or you just it's, I just shut it off and figure okay I'm going to start from 0 to 12 feet now I'm going to go 12 to 20 and I'm going to go 20 to 28 now I'm going to go back to the bottom you know like every 3 or 5 minutes I just keep working up and down the water column and I think it's a little bit for me that a little more uh, 
it feels better. It's more of a reward yeah, when, I when I when I get okay. one to whack me, um, and I'm not looking at a screen, right. knowing that he's there. Yeah. And then of course, then you have more of a surprise. Yeah. You know. Um, I would. Yeah. And that's and that's a big part of it. Like I said, part of it is not just the fight of the fish. It's that surprise that has been building and building because <laughs> you've been doing it for so long and not getting any. That's you funny. Know? Do you need to catch more that way? No. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, if you were sitting there in my in my shack with me uh, with the electronics, you'd have fished me probably two to one. <laughs> but but that's okay with me. You know, up yeah. to a point. Pretty soon, maybe if I don't get any, I get frustrated. That's hey, fun. but I got to get back to your second part of your question. You wanted to know what was my favorite fish to oh, eat. Oh yeah, yeah. And I truly have to say, it's what I'm cooking now. Like, I, the three of us could be on the banks right now. The sun's going down on the Des Moines River, and we've caught some channel cats, no bigger than that, you know. And we will fry those up, and you'd think that's as fine a fish as you've ever eaten. Now, Agreed. Yeah. at the same time, what if this young man over here kind of outfished us, and he's got himself a 19-inch walleye there that we got in the pan? Well, that's going to taste real good, <laughs> you know. Right. But you could be up on Clear Lake ice fishing and clean up five of those little yellows mm -hmm. and fry those up right there on the ice and, and they are tasty as can be yes you can't they beat are. bluegills crappie perch i mean i can go down the list if it's fresh and i just caught it and if the setting either a, a ice fishing on a pristine lake someplace or more importantly like if it's in the summer and you're camped on a sandbar whatever you're eating is going to be really good i like that I was not expecting that answer. That was a great answer, Hank. No, no, that, well, and, and, you're, and it's spot on, though. It's, I can't, I can't right. just pick one out because, you know, it's just impossible for me to do that. That's true. And though. that gives each one of them value. It does. Very good value. It does. You know. Yeah, I mean, because you're not sitting there like thinking, oh. I like walleye yeah. better than these bluegills. Yeah. Or it gives you the, I have to catch this species. Yeah. Or I have to catch that species. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times I will go on these trips, like if I'm floating the, the Des Moines around here, I just did one on the Cedar River up by Osage. And then earlier I did one on uh, the Wapsie over by uh, Wabeek in Central City. Mm -hmm. But I, I will try to make it more interesting, so to speak, by not having other food. So I've got, I've, got to, I've got to catch my supper, or I go hungry. I have not. That that that's a video idea that a lot of people do. As I mean, people say I catch fish all the time, but I am not that confident where where I'm going to go out to make a video to cook something to eat, but I can only eat what I catch. So go camping one weekend and only eat whatever you can. Yeah. You, you well, don't you don't trust yourself to do that. That's what I'm saying. I'm not confident what? that I could, because I'm not a big guy. If I don't, if I skip a meal, I'm like really, really hungry. <laughs> so if I go only four hours without catching a fish, I'm like, oh my god! Now it's gonna be like the Darner party. You come back with one finger, eat the other one. Died, guys. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude, you, you gotta do it now. You, you say you, you're setting yourself up, dude. You, you have to do a video where you go camping for at least like two days, yeah. and like. I'm, I'm only let's, eating let's say, I catch. Where would you go? Where would you go to do it? Uh, Probably where somewhere you, where you, I can catch, catch fish. fish. <laughs> <laughs> where he has the best opportunity that he knows that he he, he has 
extra, extra. See, I would suggest a, a nice stretch of the Des Moines River because mm-hmm. you've got so many options. Right. And in that situation, you're going to find out that sheep had a drummer fairly tasty. Yeah. So, yeah. So are the white, white. In fact, if you catch a white bass about that big on the river there and you catch a sheep at the same size, when you get done filleting it, the fillets look the same and you put the breading on, you fry them up and you don't know which one's which. Yeah. Right. Right. Between those two. We, we've actually had our buddy uh, from Colorado came in. We had this little challenge, like, can you tell the difference of, of, of the fish, right? And I swear, every single one of us was like, yeah, we can tell that's a drum or that's... And what did we do? It was a, a, a drum, a white bass, and was it an Asian carp? Asian carp. So, yeah. so what we did is we caught those three and he was like you guys won't be able to tell the difference mr yang by the way if you guys are listening it was mr yang's idea he goes there's no way we can tell the difference and all of us were like whatever man this is bullshit we can tell the damn difference he literally cut them all up didn't tell us what was what uh-huh and he breaded it cooked it fried it gave us to eat i want to say 90 percent. i think kit was the only one who was able to guess right i think right i think so and everybody I'm else just that good that's why yeah, there you go yeah there you go well you gotta eat more often <laughs> than the rest of us so this <laughs> yeah, must be nice more practice <laughs> right, but right. everybody else i think there was like four or five of us everybody else couldn't i yeah. I, I was one of them i mixed the the fishes up yeah. i couldn't i've, I could I've done that i mean i didn't mean it to be a test <laughs> but i've done it on like the boone river camping or in the des moines mm-hmm. where that's what i was frying up was white bass and sheephead and I couldn't tell the difference then. And they were is amazing because that's what you're eating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now I do. I'll bet you this though. Oh, well, obviously because catfish is different. If I had in those two species, white bass and sheephead in the pan, and then a channel cat, obviously I couldn't tell the yeah, channel cat. Yeah. But now if you put a whiter fish, like let's say you had a big crappie fillet or a walleye, I guarantee you you'd have known that difference too. Oh yeah. Because I think by the text. I think maybe well, the it, texture. It, it, I think it does taste better, you know. I mean, I don't have anything against eating the drum or the white bass, but I think if I had a fillet of walleye here and a fillet of, of drum, I could tell the difference. I think so. I, mean, I think so. There's a reason walleyes and yeah. coffees are everybody's favorite. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> Good, well said. Right. It's, true, it's not like you're not going to look in the menu right here and find sheephead. Right. You know, it's, it's not there. Very yeah, true. drum's not, not bad. It's not bad. No, it's, it's fine. not. It's not. Better fresh. Yeah. Well, every, all the fish yeah. are. You say that about any fish. Yeah. Very true. Yellow bass is also really good. They're really good. Yeah. Compared to the white bass, I, oh, I yeah. think they're so much better. Way better. Yeah. I, actually, even my brother-in-law is from Denver because they don't have yellow bass there. They came here and they, they, they were, they've been coming here for the yellow bass. Cause they, oh, cool. And my brother-in-law, who loves the fish, doesn't eat fish, and he ate the yellow bass, John, and he goes... That's the only fish he'll really That's ever his eat. Favorite huh. fish Yellow too. bass. So they're good. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, 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 they are good. Yeah, so, something about the yellow bass. Then you know, yeah, I don't know. Is, is it sweeter, do you think? I no. think that's a good way to put it. I mean, it, might. it has a little, sweet. I mean, it's not, it's a hint of sweetness, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Just dip it in hot sauce. And <laughs> it, all, it all tastes the same. <laughs> um, what else you got for hand, guy? Uh, oh, yeah. I'll, before we got started. <laughs> this sounds scary. Oh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so the hot the hot topic right now are those walleye oh. cheaters. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've been following it too much, but let me 
summarize for our audience, but so two guys got caught cheating in this walleye tournament recently, and the way they found out was the tournament director was like looking at these fish and like, oh, it's kind of questionable. <laughs> yeah. And then I think he 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 was kind of like inspecting the fish and then. And then, you know, he asked somebody to bring a knife, cut them open, and they got lead weights, fillets of walleyes in those fish. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you followed that very much? Or? I, I saw it on Facebook and yeah. saw the reaction and heard the reaction yeah, right. of everybody. I mean, it was <laughs> F-bomb after F-bomb after oh. the whole thing. We, we had a, our Ames Anglers Club had a meeting this morning. And, uh, I don't attend very many of them because I'm usually off up north someplace or whatever but my friend jeff capasco you guys yep. know jeff real well yep. he was yeah. giving a talk there this morning so i was in there and of course everybody was talking about that and one theory that i had is that you know like you mentioned they had the fish fillets in the bellies too mm-hmm. i think that initially what they tried to do was wrap the weight yes. with oh. the fillet stick it in there so it wouldn't feel like you got the golf ball in there oh, and you know? it wouldn't bounce yeah, because because I think that's what the fillets were yeah. to wrap them in the fillet, and, and, and I think um, because so then you couldn't tell if because you know if you hear two lead things click, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's yeah. exactly what oh, they see, did. See, I never even thought yeah. about that. So, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is the first time we actually even talked about this because I don't know. We had, there were so many like you were saying on social media it went berserk. Actually, yeah. all like media, CNN, and CNN. Like, yeah. NBC's covering it. Pr- pretty, it's pretty insane. Crazy. And ooh, has think, there been any? Outcome? Have they been charged or well, anything? So, I, I, I stay tuned because I think we have some tournament uh, fishermen is going to be on the podcast coming soon. They'll be able to explain to us probably a little bit better about the rules and regulations and stuff than on that. But as far as I know, I don't know if they have been officially charged with anything quite yet, at least at today. Um, but I think they will be charged because I think it's considered fraud. Uh-huh. Only for this one specific tournament, you can't go back to the That's previous. That's I was wondering because you can't. There's no. There's no way you can prove it. Other tournaments. Yes. Yeah. So, so this is the thing. These gentlemen have. I mean, I, I don't know if everybody have heard, but they've won previous tournaments. They've won almost over three hundred thousand dollars worth of prize money. Um, they've won boats. They've won just and they got trucks trucks. (laughs) and then they've also won um you know sponsorship money of course and everything but beyond that you can't go back and prove did they cheat in previous tournaments so so you don't have those fish you don't have those fish there's no you you can't there's no proof so the only thing if they were to be charged would be for this one tournament because they actually got caught red-handed um and that would probably be about it I mean, how how much are they going to charge them? I mean, it's most likely be a slap on the wrist. But I think the biggest thing, they got killed on social media. These guys have, I don't think they'll ever be able to fish a tournament ever again. Well, they shouldn't be allowed to. I don't right. think they'll ever be they able to. They shouldn't be allowed so, to fish. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good that, point. That's a great point because I want to, that's why, um, we'll, we'll see if we can grab Jeff to, to explain a little bit more. Because so I heard through the grapevine, I don't know if it's true, because they... By putting that stuff inside of the fish, I think it. I think the DNR can can charge them with something because it's you know what I'm saying like you're like hurt cruelty yeah. or something like something, that. I don't know. We'll have to ask Jeff if there's a, a law on that or not. I have no Long idea. Waste or something because so, obviously yeah. they're not going to be able to live if they were yeah. released. They're so done. that's that's what I'm wondering. But other than that, I think the only thing they can get charged with is that one tournament oh. legally. 
but everything else, I mean, you got to think of it this way, they're completely done. Their fishing career is done. Um, I mean, their license well, should be taken away, but I mean, I mean just how they are looked upon by their family, by their uh, used to be well, friends. I they're mean, friends. That's their, that's their punishment. That's that's a that's a punishment in itself. I mean, they probably never expected that. And you know, and the craziest thing, you know, I I, I don't know if everybody knows, they would have won the tournament if they didn't even use any oh, really? weights. I didn't know so, that. Yeah. So the thing was, they needed, um, I believe, because they were looking to win, like, team of the year, angler of the year, I believe, and they needed, like, 16 pounds. They needed to get 10th place, which would have been 16 pounds, 16 pounds. to win, to win the, whole, the entire circuit for yeah. this year. Yes, okay. and they would have won a lot of money. But the thing was, the amount of weight that they weighed and the fillets and everything, it was like, I think it was at like eight pounds. Yeah, eight pounds. But the thing was, they weighed in at 33 pounds with those eight pounds. So, so they, take, were, they were in without it. Yes. Yeah. They got greedy. They got greedy wow. and complacent, I think. But who's to say they didn't win those other tournaments throughout the, same the year? Way. We don't know. Same way. And, yeah. and, and they probably did. Yeah. That's well, probably why and, they only needed... Yes, no, they probably did. However many I wouldn't pounds. doubt too that they started with a little. Yes, and then just kept. Well, we didn't nope. get caught yet. Yep. How about we're, we're a little more? How many years? They and they they backtracked. They they they've been winning turns for like three to four years. Yeah. So they they've done this. I mean, I can't say that they've done it, but most likely they have. I wonder if like you know you've been talking about any criminal charges. They can yeah. only get charged for this. Just that one tournament, probably. I wonder if like the sponsorship fees and some of this stuff. If those people will will make uh, civil suits against them and say, hey, we want our money back. The, you know, the, we don't want to be associated with you. And the, back in the day, we gave you this much money because we did want to be associated with you. Yeah. And that was all a scam. Give it back. They could. And I believe they can. But the only thing is, it would be for the one year. Because like I said, they, they're not going to be able to prove that you guys cheated previous years, even though we all probably can assume. Well, like, in, like I said, in a civil suit, it's a, it's easier to try to... It's, it is easier. You know? It is easier. But, it, they, they but not that I would know. No. <laughs> but, but you're right. No, no, no. All, all those businesses, because um, they, they have a right to. You're right. They gave, they gave yes. their name their name and reputation it's of those companies. On, on this guy's yes. jacket that everybody is seeing as a cheater. Yeah. You know? Ranger. That was a big one. Ranger so, boats. I saw that Ranger boats. Right. It was like right there. And yeah. they, sh- I mean, I, I, I wouldn't blame them if they did, yeah. if they wanted to at least comp- you know, get some type of comp. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do? You're going to see these guys. What are they going to give them? You know what I mean? I mean, like, the company can't really do anything and they're going to go back and sue them for what? These guys aren't like multi-millionaires. They're, they're just doing all right, though. Yeah. <laughs> they probably, well, I, didn't, I didn't win 300,000 fishing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, uh, in my yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, like, but it, it, it's just multiple lifetimes. Yes. But, <laughs> oh, do we get those? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> no, there's a concept. Right. Get a reset every 100 years. I do feel for all the other competitors because, boy, the amount of, you, got, you know, people have to take in consideration not just the entry fee that you know everybody else has paid throughout the years competing against these guys all the time away from family life to fish all the time to do all these tournaments um just amount you know lodging travel expenses all these guys you can just imagine how pissed off they were Unbelievable! Yeah. I watched the video. Hundred yeah. percent. Tell how pissed well. All you gotta do is yeah. listen to yeah. the video. Yeah, yeah. But everybody, you know, luckily the 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 person who put on the event, he's the off-duty police officer, I believe. I don't know if he was retired, but he's an off-duty police officer, and he was pissed off. But he was the one who calmed the yeah, whole he crowd kept, down. He kept it under control. Yeah. Kept he, it. Yeah. And luck, because he was a 
police officer. So luckily, I didn't he was, know that detail. Yep, he was a police officer, and he was—they uh, had police there, and he had some of his subordinates walk them out, so they didn't get harmed. Because at the end of the day, those 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 two gentlemen—if that guy was not a police officer, they would have gotten the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, I believe so. At least, yeah. bare minimum, because and it would have in a way be justified. Because I I hate to say it, I feel for those competitors. Yeah, they've been cheated. All these years against these guys, and these guys have been winning. That's allegedly, well, allegedly, yeah, allegedly. But you don't but. go from following the rules to stuffing eight pounds of lead. One, one, one yeah. Yeah. It's not like just like you had too much schnapps yeah. right before and go, hey, Ernie, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. 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 Right. Especially if there was some thought process yeah. there. Especially if they've been winning. All of a sudden, you know what? What oh, can yeah. what can make us win more? <laughs> like you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. the thing. Well, it's a, that's a sad thing. Yeah. On on the whole picture of fishing right now but it'll it'll go away and yeah. hopefully those guys will go away too so I, th- I think so it's just it's the hot item to speak of yeah um everybody is like people I, I, people are hitting me up like they're, they're really cheating and fishing you know turn i go have you seen the amount of money in these tournaments well yeah and, and there's been reports in the past for like on a bass tournament someplace where they've got their fish tied up to a stump over there that they mm. caught last week Mm-hmm. And now the tournament starts, and the boats around. They go over and get that fish put in their live well, but they didn't catch yeah. it that day. Well, well yeah. the, you the, know? the YBB, uh, Yellow Bass Bonanza, there was a cheating scandal happened, I think, two or three years ago. That's yeah, that's what happened. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I have to double check it, but I think they caught pre- the fish previously, oh, yeah. and they, they hid it somewhere in a sack or something yeah. underwater, so they went to that specific location. How did they catch them? Great question. I, somebody had to rat them out. I think one of the guys went to their truck or, or caught something. them or something. I, I, yeah. I can't remember. Well, well, you know what? We'll have to look that up. But I they got caught. Maybe. I mean, I don't. I think I remember vaguely something about that. But I think yeah. it could have been that their winnings were so much above the other catches Some, that it's like something. a red flag. The wait a minute, you know. How, how did you, it's how the did same you thing with this walleye thing. I mean, because the fish, if you watch, look at those walleyes that they caught easily four to five pounds but these they were winging seven pounds know, they weren't I'm like yeah. The, yeah. you know that's what jeff mentioned this morning you, you know you get so used to what the fish looks like yeah you know 25 inches going to be about five pounds mm-hmm. it's yeah. not going to be seven and a half right? no and, and that's what every you, you heard it and you know everybody saw the video like no way everybody like that <laughs> and everybody you can hear them like no way that's seven pounds it's like there's no way that fish could be seven pounds. If you look at it, the video, like, yeah. there is no way they that got, fish like could be seven Like you said, they got greedy. Yeah, it did. Yeah. They, yeah. And yeah. they got complacent because they never got caught. They're like, man, we're just stuffing. Let's, let's make sure we win 100%. I'm right. just like. I watched the uh, one of the videos that the tournament director was on, and he was saying, you know, all these fish, they're all relatively the same size. So it's a it's a tight race. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. some places yeah. 20 pounds and these guys weigh in 30, 30, 30, 33. With the same, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. The same, same fish. fish. Yeah. 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 And, and you have to understand, 13 pounds in a fishing tournament, that's a Huge. Especially when all the fish are the same, that's a ton. <laughs> yeah. So Huge. that's, you know, it's it's sad. It's a, I guess you could say it's a black eye for the, the fishing tournament scene. It sucks. Yes. But anyways, so your book so if our audience wants to get get a hold of you or try to find your book where can they do that thank you for asking the book's available on amazon right now Mm -hmm. all you have to do is punch up one 
well, the way it says there, the, the word one, the number four, and the word water, and then put book, and it takes you right to a site to buy them off of Amazon, either as a hardback, paperback, or Kindle. Cool. And I think they're the hardbacks are twenty eight, and the paperbacks are twenty one or something, and then the Kindles ten bucks or okay. something. Um, I'm going to be at our, our tailgate tomorrow, the Iowa State game. If anybody, of course, this won't go out by then. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, forget that. <laughs> they'll, they'll go back in time. <laughs> yeah. They'll go back in time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we do that other life you talked about. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, Jack's Outdoors in Ames is going to have me do a signing and talk to people on November 12th. Okay. This, this so, should come out before that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This will be out in... Not this upcoming Monday, but I think the Monday afterwards. Yeah. yeah. They can always get a hold of me on Facebook if they want to make some connections so I could sign one or talk to them about it or whatever. Okay. Otherwise, if they just want to read one, you know, go to Amazon and and uh, obviously uh, buy some for Christmas gifts or whatever. And I, I hadn't mentioned yet, but um, I'm, I'm donating from my part because when a book gets sold... Obviously, you know, this is my first book, so this is all new for me. But the printer publisher's got to get a chunk, and Amazon's got to get a chunk, and finally the author gets a chunk. Yeah. Um, but out of that, $1 from every book from my chunk is going back to the River Museum. Awesome. Again, to help To help with that. Cool. Uh, with their conservation programs. And we're going to do a, a, a deal up there uh, at the museum in Dubuque, I think, in February. Uh, they have a big festival going on that I'll be able to talk to people and kind of promote it then. Cool. So, okay. We'll, we'll definitely put all the links and everything, how you guys can purchase the, the book and everything on uh, the show notes. And uh, wh- where's that show in November? Where's it at again? So everybody. Um, that's Jack's Outdoors and Jack's Ames. Jack's Outdoors and Ames. On, okay. on November 12th, between November 12th. 1 and 3. Okay. And they'll have some refreshments, I think free refreshments there. And of course, there's, there's no fee to come in. Just walk around, maybe do some Christmas shopping and stop over and say <laughs> hi to me because uh, you might imagine I don't mind talking to anybody and I love I love talking about the trip or talking about the book. Yeah, that's awesome. No, no it's awesome. Do we got a couple minutes I could read just a little part of it? Yeah, we sure do. So, we have, because, we're never you know, in a rush. We've been talking about this book and I told you sometimes <laughs> I wander off into different things or whatever, but just so you kind of know what the writing would be like, this came from... Um, Day 50, 50th day on the trip for me. Uh, We were watching the huge diesel-powered vessels go by, and my mind wandered. I started thinking of the river's past and future. When canoes and keelboats were making their way between its shores, what was the Mississippi like? Was it as wide as as it is now? And how clear was the water back then? What wildlife and in what numbers drank from it? What will the river look like and its banks look like in a few hundred years from now? I sure hope that, let's say in 2221, future inhabitants with a bit of wanderlust will be able to enjoy the water, the sandbars, and the trees as we have. And then a cool thing popped in my mind. The thought was that if the species was right and its location fortunate, one of those tiny seedlings that I set my tent up by could be a wonderfully massive 150-year-old tree from, you know, years from now. Yeah. And with that thought, I found myself talking to the little rooted ones. Good luck, little buddy. We're all pulling for you. <laughs> there nice. you guys go. That's, that's and you've kind never of wrote, written a book before. I know. Wow. No, I haven't written a book, but I, I in my past, I, I have written things, okay. mostly just for my family. But if you go back in the archives, you know the, the magazine Iowa Outdoors yes. that's put on with Iowa DNR. They yep. were nice enough quite a few years ago to publish a story I wrote simply called Rocks in the River. Okay. And it's a sentimental uh, retelling of habits that my kids got in when we first got <laughs> to take them down the river. And it was the Boone River. 
And it all started with Andy when he was no bigger than this. You know, if a kid's like that, he's probably eight years old, asking seven million questions. And he goes, Dad, who owns those rocks? I said, well, nobody does. You know, they're a part of nature and they're going to be here forever. I said, why don't you claim one and you can always call it your, he goes, I'll take that one. I mean, he didn't. Well, and of course, my daughter Robin gets old enough. My daughter Carrie gets old enough. As we float down the river, then they chose their rocks. Oh. So now we use Andy's rock as kind of a barometer of how high the water is. We fish by Carrie's rock and camp by Robin's rock. And it's been going on for 30 years wow. so it's it was nice they put that story in there and then a couple of years ago they also published one simply called the ice shack um, <laughs> back in 1985 i made an ice shack out of uh, some plywood pizza boxes and a tarp um, because, <laughs> that's, you couldn't you couldn't go nobody had made those nice portable shacks that we enjoy so much now yeah, yeah. and i had a, a 63 no, excuse me, an 83 Chevy Cavalier station wagon. And so I made these pieces of plywood that could pin together and kind of accordion fold together so I could put it all in the back of the, of the station wagon uh -huh. and sled it out like the Big Creek or Hickory Grove and, and put it up. And then I just put a tarp over it. So basically it was a nice windbreak is how it started. But then I got to thinking, why don't I make it a little more permanent? So several decades that ugly brown looking piece of wood and canvas spent the entire winters on either big creek or or hickory grove and i just leave a lantern in there with some propane going and and get off of work with the well with what we had back then was pizza hot wings and bob would come along and bob <laughs> bob was bucket of beer that we, you know, i had the pizza restaurant then and i'd just take like a three-gallon bucket that had maybe came with cherry topping or something for our dessert pizzas so it's nice and clean and while yeah. i'm doing the books i just turned on one of the spigots put bucket under there and, and get done and people like jeff kapaska or my brother and other friends would show up and next thing you know we've got bob and some bait and we're over at hickory grove with some pizza and wings and <laughs> just think we're special yeah. so they wrote a story or they they published that story too which that's is kind of awesome. cool that's awesome are we going to be able to get on the ice with you this year at all by chance well, I sure hope so. Okay. Where are you going to be spending most of your most time on the ice this yeah. winter? Well, we've got this cabin in West Central Minnesota. Yep. And yep. They're where this, these trips started. And so I can go up there. It's a four-season cabin. We keep the heat on mm -hmm. and you know, put it down to like 55. And the first thing you do when you get there, if it's 25 below outside, is go in and jack the heat up right. so that you can sleep later that night. But, <laughs> um, and I have what's called a snow dog. Um, yes. You know what that is? Yes. Okay. just bought one. Cool. Really? Mine's named Bernard, but that gets us around <laughs> all these little lakes right near there. And my okay. brother just bought a little, uh, one of those small aluminum skid shacks. Mm. That's a hard body shack, but it doesn't weigh much. So Bernard yeah. will pull it around from all those lakes. And of course, we've got a hub shack. And, and that is about six hours from here. Okay. okay. But the cool thing there is when I'm set up there, I've got all these lakes. I mean, one right out in front, one right over there anyway, that we can fish there. But it's a good starting point to go to Upper Red Lake you know in minnesota not the one up way up in canada because right. i can get there in like two hours from there mm -hmm. and i can get up to lake of the woods in three and a half gotcha. so so usually my first for if you look back through my journals the very first ice fishing trip for the last five years in a row has been upper red lake go, go out of waskish there 
and when the, it's just walkable ice, you know, you only got like four and a half inches. They're not letting four wheelers out, obviously no trucks or anything. So yep. everybody's just walking this stuff out. Have you ever fished that lake? I don't think I ever have. Okay, no. It's just like a bull. So it's real shallow. You just want to walk out about maybe three quarters of a mile and finally get into nine feet of water. <laughs> wow. And catch your, your four nice walleyes. Well, Bernard, the snow dog, has less impact on the ice than a person walking. And the, the resort owners there know that. So I get to just ride myself out there oh. while everybody else is walking, set up, and then I stay there for like three days and nights, and I just camp right on the ice. Huh. Uh, and, and I love fishing so much that I set up and I start fishing. Because if I didn't do that, I could unhook all my stuff and say 20 bucks, 20 bucks, and I could haul people back and forth on that lake all day <laughs> long. You know? That's so, awesome. That's what that's what's coming up. Looking forward to that. Are you oh, going to fish awesome. in Iowa at all this year? I sure hope so. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, we we religiously fish like obviously ice conditions for sure. But Little River, you know, twelve mile, three mile, Big Creek, okay. Clear Lake. Mm-hmm. At least one trip up to Okaboji, fish Mini Washer Spirit. Um, I've got a good friend, John Grover, who's probably the best guide for the those Iowa Great Lakes up there. He's going to be at our tailgate tomorrow. He said, oh, really? He's oh, a nice. Cyclone fan, so we're picking his brains. We're trying to trade uh, tickets to the game for either a, a good day's fishing with him, or I simply use them in the winter to go, John, where should I set up my hub shack? <laughs> there you because, go. Because, like, he knows I don't have any electronics, so I want to be <laughs> I want to be where the fish are, you know? So we, we trade tickets for information. You there know? you go. Well, let us know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that'd be fun. Uh, we, we, we'd love to. Uh, my kids, they actually love the, the, the Iowa Great Lakes area because they love going up there and... Uh, they love that with that indoor pool and everything. The yeah, water, yeah, water, the park. water park stuff. Kids love that, and then yeah. they love that. Well, we love the ice fish, so we might. Oh, yeah. we're, we're planning on possibly doing an Okaboji trip this year. So it's let, a let tremendous fishery. Yeah, yeah. it really you is. Know, um, you got your choices of West, East, Mini Washington, or Spirit, but one of those places is going to be on fire. Okay. Usually, and it's multi-species, as you know. You can yeah, get sure. all kinds of things. Well, we'll let you know, because I think right now, even my um, my Colorado in-laws are, are contemplating coming here to go to Ogaboji, too. So yeah. they, they, they like that area. They do. Yeah. And, well, and the water's so clear. Yeah. You know, obviously, you have to blame a lot of that on the Zeebs. But really you can good. be ice fishing <laughs> down there and, and watch a muskie go by the half the size of a school district. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. A little, a little oh, boy fell oh, right next to us here, but I think he'll be okay. He yeah. looks tougher than me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. I think we're planning on possibly around President's Day weekend or something like that. So we'll definitely let you know. Hopefully, we can get you get out on the ice with well, you. We got to get out on the ice just around here as soon as okay. we get good ice. Yeah. Yep. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll probably be about February. See, I got to know when you do this, you yes. guys are extremely entertaining. <laughs> are you are you that much fun? If you're sitting out in the ice hour after hour, or does it depend on how many of those you get? The <laughs> Hank, this always always entertains makes, makes us. us it always it's always entertaining. To us, be honest, I don't drink that much when I fish. No, because you gotta eat. <laughs> right. yeah. He focuses. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be hungry in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to eat. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I, I'm the guy that hey, if I catch great. Most of the time, I don't catch, but once well, in a while. And who knows? Maybe by then, these treatments I'm taking, they'll say, oh, go ahead and drink once or twice a 
a week or something. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. But uh, we will. We'll definitely. Uh, I want to get you and your son, uh, get Andy out on the ice together. We got to make a trip over here. Yeah, he's more into watching the screen and make sure he's catching fish. We, you we, can imagine he's a little more intense than me. <laughs> I, I don't know where that came from. Be fun though. But we'll definitely make that a trip this this winter. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm. We're, we've been talking about ice fishing probably like the last five episodes. We have to have the, a little bit of ice fishing in it's our coming. episodes. It's, it's coming. coming. Yeah. So we're we're excited about that. So. Uh, like I said, well, hey, do me a favor when you talk about the ice fishing, and, and obviously sometimes you guys get sponsored by you got people that they want to buy this technology or that technology or that technology. Uh, I always want to try to at least get across to, let's say, a youngster that's in high school that goes, God, I'd like to try this ice fishing. And then he goes, oh, that 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 Vexlar costs this much and this iron auger costs this much and the shack costs, and they go, well, how I can't possibly do it. You know, I can't afford to do it. I think that those people need to know that you can still do it. You can stay warm and comfortable and successful without being at that level of expense. For sure. Yeah. Now, all of those things will make your experience maybe better and maybe more successful, but you don't have to have it to enjoy the sport right yeah right it's it's um no you're spot on it's just like anything else like you can you know splurge and spend a thousand a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment or you can just go out and just Just enjoy it it. yeah and just enjoy it just i just hope that they they know that it can be done you know without a huge expense you know you can shove a six inch hand auger and if the, you go online and find somebody's used pop-up, you know. Nowadays, yeah. no. Yeah, this, Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. Facebook Marketplace, guys. Yeah, yeah for sure. You know, because guys, everybody's upgrading yeah. those things or, or yeah. one pole gets a little goofy or something, so the dang <laughs> they're giving it away, you yeah. know. And, for sure. It's yeah. like, uh, no, it's one of those things like any any other hobby or anything like you guys like to do, you can spend, a, like I said, a ton of money or you can just spend a minimal amount and just go out there and just enjoy it. Yeah. Yep. Very true. So. Um, other than that, man, Hank, uh, it's always been a pleasure having you on. Uh, I tell you what, like I said, I, I, it was a good day when I first ran into you folks, whenever <laughs> that was. That was, awesome. so, that was a few years ago. Yeah, it was a couple of years yeah, ago now. I, you know, I feel like, like, like I said, I'm not enjoying the, the beverages this place has to offer, but sometime we're going to have to be like on that Des Moines River sandbar I talked about okay. you know, with the campfire going and the barred owls singing and a cooler full of those things. There we go. That we just make it our duty to, to destroy. Or yeah. a bucket. A bob. A bob. A bob. A bob. A bucket of beer. A bucket of beer. There you guys go. You know, <laughs> real quick, instant sidelight about that. In that old ice shack, I just had some plywood on the floor that would get, you know, a lot of things, fish scales, maybe the you know the uh, sawdust from your waxworm container yes, and a couple yes. of waxworms and stuff so the newbies that would show up and fish with me because you just took your mug mugs were on the hooks up here the mugs from the restaurant so you just took a mug and you dipped uh-huh. in the bucket and you drank it <laughs> you needed to make sure you did not put that mug on the floor because oh. now your mug is wet and the next thing you're going to do and need more beer is you're going to dip it back in Bob. <laughs> and you, you know where this is going. Yeah. You, you cannot be dipping a mug back in Bob that's already sat in the sawdust and, yeah. the, and, the, and the dead waxworms and yeah. fish scales. Yeah, and who knows what else. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. And hey, we got to do that one day, a Bob. It'll be interesting. Oh. If my brother-in-law listens to this, they'll be like, sure, let's, we'll, we'll make it happen. I swear, I think... 
Some of my friends have literally taken a bucket like that and gotten a 12 pack and dumped it all in it just so that they could have that, a bomb. that experience yeah. again. Yeah. We might have to do something like yeah. that this year. I'll get the, the little like short bucket that's like this. <laughs> <laughs> funny uh but no honestly uh hey do appreciate your time uh and just your stories it's uh beyond entertaining it educates us a little bit more um well thank you just appreciate your time man. and you know everybody we will put the links definitely check out to check out one for water hank's book uh i can't i'm gonna cop one i want i read i read the first book so can't yeah, I, as part. you know, I didn't write that first book, yeah. but Danny did. He Danny did a great did. job. I'm sure he did a better job of writing than I did. But <laughs> I've got there's some there's some interesting things in there, and and it does also give you a day by day. Where were we? What were we experiencing? What was it like to float 1,900 miles last Ooh. summer? 1,900 miles, everybody. You guys gotta go check it out. Uh, once again, thank you so much, Hank. Appreciate your time. Um, other than that, guys, stay tuned. Don't forget, leave a review. That helps us out. Don't forget, check out Fishing Kids' YouTube channel. Yeah. He's, he's, he's climbing up there, getting him up to 3,000 subs. Let's get creeping. there. I'm creeping. Wow, congrats. Creeping. Thank you. Awesome. Check out uh, My Pop Fishing YouTube channel. I, I post a video every two weeks whenever I can, whenever the kids allow me. Actually, whenever the, <laughs> whenever the boss allows me to get out there and fish. So, uh, But like I said, get out there now. Fall bite's on. Uh, get out there before winter comes so if you guys looking to fish it's out beautiful there out there now it get is. out there yeah. everybody so other than that everybody till next time thank you all right see ya